Hi, I'm Sean L. McCarthy, founding editor of the Comics Comic, found wherever you can type the Comics Comic into your electronic devices. Welcome to Last Things First, the show that asks comedians about the historic lasts and firsts in their lives as their comedy careers have blossomed, from young people's dreams to adult people living those dreams, or still dreaming. Questions both big and small are asked and answered. It's hopefully both amusing and illuminating. The creator and star of HBO's A Black Lady Sketch Show, Robin Thede and her crew already have enjoyed 13 Emmy nominations and one Emmy win heading into the 2022 award ceremony, as well as 2020 honors from the TV Critics Association for Outstanding Sketch or Variety Series. Thede grew up in Iowa, studied broadcast media at Northwestern, and made a brief stop at the Second City before going Hollywood. She scored supporting roles in short-lived sketch shows for Mike Epps and Affion Crockett, but much of Thede's early success came behind the camera as a writer for the BET Awards, Real Husbands of Hollywood, and the Queen Latifah Show. Thede broke through as the first black woman to serve as head writer in late-night TV for The Nightly Show with Larry Wilmore on Comedy Central. Then her got her own late-night show, The Rundown, on BET. When that show abruptly ended, it opened the door for Thede to take her talents to HBO, where she not only has shown brightly but also helped pave the way for success with past and present fellow castmates such as Quinta Brunson and Ashley Nicole Black. Thede sat with me to talk about all of that and more. If you like this conversation, please consider subscribing to my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com so you can read bonus commentary on this episode as well as more comedy news and insights. Thanks in advance, and now that that's out of the way, let's get to it! So, Robin Thede, last things first, congratulations on five more Emmy nominations. Yes! We'll take it! Now, I know, you know, people had fun a couple years ago with your reaction at the Emmys. <laughs> Is it... <laughs> yeah, it was the most watched GIF of the night. I was like, oops. And I didn't know, because I didn't know that they cut to me. We were in the middle of the ceremony, like later, or I guess after um, after SNL won, and they went to a commercial break, um, my phone was going, well, my phone was going nuts anyway, but I didn't want to look at it because I just figured they were like, oh, sorry, you lost. But that wasn't why. It was because everybody was sending me the reaction video, and then that became the gift. But yeah, it's crazy. Well, that's obviously just another reason why I was ahead of the curve two years ago in suggesting in the New York Times that you should have had your own nomination for Best Actress in a comedy. Oh, thank you. Oh, I appreciate that. Thank you. Not that not that the Emmy voters cared one whit. The TCA well, people... Well, maybe they did. The TCA maybe. people knew what was up. Yeah, man. Does it make it any easier, though, that this is your third go-around with the Emmys? You know the whole rigmarole. And that at least your team has one Emmy last year already yes. in the back. Listen, 13 nominations and one Emmy in three seasons, and who knows if we'll get any this year, I can only hope, but is is phenomenal. And, um, you know, three of our guest actresses have had uh, nominations, but none of our cast. So I agree with you, Sean. We definitely need to be much more considered in the acting categories. Uh, my whole cast, they're all so phenomenal. And, and what they do in playing, you know, 30 plus characters in six episodes is just unheard of. And I think that, you know, because we have such a small cast, they, um, I don't know, I think people kind of overlook the amount of versatility it takes to do that because they make it look easy, you know? And I think that's the point, right? You shouldn't make it look hard. But, um, but yeah, I think, 
the craftsmen on our show, craftswomen on our show for the most part, um, our production design team, our editors, our uh, uh, our director, our, you know, I think there's only one dude in that whole group, one of our editors this season, but all people of color, all just incredible. Like there's two Asian women that run our production design team. There's all black editors, black woman director, all the writers are black women. Like, I just think it's so groundbreaking. So every year I'm shocked and amazed. So does it make it easier? I don't know. I mean, but I will tell you, it's just as exciting in year three of nominations as it was in season one. And, um, you know, we're not showing any signs of slowing down. And I think the fact that we're breaking into new categories uh, like production design is a testament to how beautiful the show is and how great it is across the board. But I'm also very excited for our writers and, and editors who are so responsible for so much of the funny. And of course, series overall, I always tell my actors, I was like, that is your de facto nomination. Because without you acting your asses off, like series would not be nominated. And they're like, yeah, yeah. Tell it to my empty nomination, you know, <laughs> tell it to my non-nomination. But yeah, well, I think the more we keep going, the more we'll keep getting recognized as the hope. And the Emmys are, they have such quirky rules that sometimes make no sense at all. One of them being that even though there's some other stellar sketch work going on right now in television, Absolutely. because there's not enough of it, you can only have two nominees. And I don't love that. Because I think there are so many great people doing so much work. And there's so many Black people, to be honest, more than ever doing. You've got Z-Way, Ruffin, Che, Sam J. You've got all them that are not in the talk category. They're in the sketch category, the sketch variety category. And it shouldn't have to be which show besides SNL will get nominated, you know? Because really, we're all in it for one slot. And I guess at this point, people have said to me, well... You know, it's really just who's going to take it between you and SNL every year. And I'm like, well, that's not fun either. You know, I mean, I think the whole point, I mean, look, it's fun for me because I love being nominated. But I think the whole point is that we all work really hard. Awards aren't everything, but the Emmys really matter. They really matter in terms of the tastemakers in the industry saying you've done the work and we're recognizing it. You know, our peers saying it. Um I know that people at home would have different opinions if they voted on things. And so I just don't take it for granted. And I hope that we always win the Emmy vote, but also the vote of popular opinion. That's, you want that, right? Like that's, I'm just going to be honest. There's people that are like, oh, I don't do it for that. It's like, what? Don't you want people to watch your show? Like you want it to resonate with them. So we're constantly considering our audience and what we want to bring them joy with and how and I think that shows in the consistency of the work we're doing and in the quality of the work we're doing, but it's not to the d detriment or competition with any of these other shows who are doing great work. It's just sad that only two of us can be nominated. At the same time though, you do have a double vote of confidence from HBO slash Warner media discovery mm -hmm. in that you re-upped your deal, a new yeah. deal and a fourth season already. Mm -hmm. Plus, you're going to be bulky. Is that am I am I no. making the leap? Am I making no. the leap? Is that ridiculous for me? No, to I, so I was never going to be bulky, and there was no bulky in the Perfect Strangers reboot I was writing. <laughs> uh, but it was going to be London Hughes. But there was yeah yeah she was going to be bulky, and I was okay. going to be I was going to be the straight man. 
Um, but not in my version. There was no straight man. But that unfortunately is not moving forward oh. uh, at, at HBMX, sadly. But um, but it was really fun to write. Uh, I think multicam in streaming is very uh, uh, is finding its footing still, and so I think that was a particular challenge. But love the team over there and are continuing to develop numerous projects across the Warner Media landscape with HBO, HBO Max, and Warner Brothers proper. Yeah, it is a double vote of, it's like a quadruple vote of confidence in a lot of ways because they are um, so trusting and so supportive in terms of how I make the season. Not only giving us these, you know, to make up a season four of anything these days is mind blowing. So um, we don't take that for granted, but um, just in the ways that they interact with us and how supportive they are of the content and the swings we want to take. I think we're not going to sit around. Every season has improved upon the last and season four is going to blow anything that we've done out of the water. And I am confident in saying that we're taking a very big swing um, looking into season four. And I think that we just don't want to remain static in any way ever. Um, and I think that the best sketches continue to evolve. And I think that uh, we have evolved over the seasons, even though we had to shoot two seasons fully in a pandemic and moving into a third fully in a pandemic, you know, season four will be still have COVID protocols, but like season two, we shot in August of 2020. Wow. We started shooting. I mean, we were, everyone was still at home. And we were double masking and shields and there was no vaccine. And like, people forget that. Like it was, we've never made this show in a regular year and we shoot everything on location. So it's, it's wild. It's not like we have the confines of a sage or a set, you know, to do this. We're, we're out in the world. So I'm just really proud of this crew and the fact that we're able to do this. And I'm just really honored that our peers see that, that they see the work. Cause I really set out to make the most cinematic sketch show in history. That was my goal. And that's what I told HBO and uh, with folks like our, our DP Kevin Atkinson this past year and, and Bridget Stokes, our director, who's also returning for season four. It's just their minds and their creativity are just out of this world. So I think we're, we're only in competition with ourselves to do better than we did the season before. And that's, I'm already looking forward to that. Like, yes, the Emmys are coming up, but I'm already like, okay, season four, it's going to be this and this, you know, I'm just like, so, so excited to be making it. Now, how much of this could you have possibly imagined when you signed your first deal with HBO back with Cleo's apartment slash the message Uh, this just in? uh, Oh my God. Okay. So on that, I was strictly an actor. I was a comedian, a performer, that was all Bashir and Diallo. And they are obviously <laughs> the masterminds behind Sherman Showcase, Southside, all of these amazing things. They run on Fallon for years. Dear friends of mine, we were doing um, sketch comedy live together and they got that deal with HBO. That's right. Um, back when, oh yeah. Oh God. It was a whole different crop of executives back then. Um, but yeah, HBO created that, uh, that platform for us to just do so much silliness. You know, it's interesting. I've been doing sketch comedy since I was 13. Um, by the time we did the message, I'd already been doing it 10, 12 years, you know, and now I'm like, I don't know, 80 years in or whatever. But um, yeah, we had, we had already been, I had been through Second City. I had already been in a bunch of black lady sketch groups. And then we did Cleo's apartment. And then more sketch groups came out of that. And 
it was really fun. So I think how much of it could I see? Probably all of it. I always thought I was going to be on, you know, whatever the in living color was going to be when I got there, you know, or of course I auditioned for SNL and made it to the final um, in front of Lauren, which was amazing. I was like, okay, I'm doing something right. Like I'm getting closer every year. I was getting closer and closer and closer. So I just kept working on my characters and honing it. And who knew by the time I created the sketch show that I would be playing like over a hundred characters in three seasons in 18 episodes, over a hundred characters. And I have way more to play, you know? So I'm, you know, I'm ready. All that training, all those decades of training did, did, did well. Yeah. And they're, you know, sometimes there were clunkers, literal clunkers. Oh my God. <laughs> that show never saw the light of day. Who was that supposed to be for? Showtime. And then I think it went to like DVD or something. It was an independent project that was financed independently. And then Showtime picked it up and then Sherman Hemsley died. Oh, that's so it's actually a sad story. It's on Amazon um, now though. Is it? Yeah. Yo, I'm not getting no money from that shit. Yo. It's on, it's on Amazon. You, you can find it on Prime Video, but then it's it comes up as Freebie, which is their which was IMDb yeah, yeah. TV and they yeah, rebranded yeah. it. But you come up, they automatically play trailers and you're the first thing that comes up. <laughs> <laughs> that was based on a character, like a black Mimi from Drew Carey, like crazy makeup, really sassy secretary at an auto, at an auto lot. Um, yeah. We shot down in Baton Rouge, Louisiana for like six months. It was so hot and muggy. I was like, I can't breathe. Uh, but it was, it was great. It was, I mean, it was just, you know, you do all this journeyman work throughout your career and you don't know where anything is going to go. And I did a bunch of like very wild projects uh, that never saw the light of day, but, and then, you know, some of them end up on Amazon and giving you no residuals. <laughs> what, what year was your SNL audition? Was that 2013? Before? Okay. So that was, after... it was before the black lady year. Before year black before. lady, but after clunkers and after if young Crockett's show. yes yes yep after that after chocolate news after guy walks into a bar i did a bunch of sketch shows i already done like five or six i think i was on key and peel before it might have been after but yeah so um i was head writer at queen latifah i think when i auditioned for snl yeah, I think it was 2013. But it wasn't with Amber Ruffin and Leslie Jones and Shasir and all those right. girls. It, it wasn't, wasn't the year. infamous public no. casting call. No, it was before. It was a year before that. Oh, wow. Okay. No, I was with. I was the only black person there. <laughs> and like six white people out of the final 14 got on the show that year. Uh, and I was like, damn, y'all going to cast me? It was right after Maya left. Yeah, it was 2013. But I mean, Lauren also passed on on Jordan and that and turned Jim out- Carrey and lots of other people. Yeah it, yeah, it turned out for the best for a lot of people. Here's the thing about SNL. Once you make it to the audition or your writing packet, my writing packet made it to the top top group also a couple years. So once you make it to that level, even if you don't get on the show, it is so validating. And this is what I tell people. They're like, oh, are you like, fuck SNL? And I'm like, what? Absolutely not. Like SNL helped shape my comedy career. You know, In Living Color was probably the most impactful for sure. But like, who doesn't watch SNL? Like, you know what I mean? Like, it's not, there's no bad blood. We all are in this small fraternity together. And um, yeah, for those of us who didn't make it, it was like, oh, well, great. Then I'm going to do something else because I'm this good. 
Like I, I really feel that anybody that makes it to that level is like, all right, well, you can, you're, you're ready for television. It's just not this television show. And that's and why like, so many went to it. Let me call her mad TV, black ladies got show, you know, all the things. For you, the next thing was the nightly show with Larry Wilmore. Yeah. Which really put you on the radar for me and a lot of people in the industry in a way that being the head yeah. writer for Queen Latifah couldn't. My apologies. Oh, no. My apologies no, no, to the queen. No, one, no, I, no, no. But I, but I don't I want to be equalized by the equalizer. I don't want to. <laughs> she will equalize you. Uh, no, I wasn't on camera, though. I was purely behind the scenes for that whole first season. So no one, I wasn't, I think I got in one sketch or something. But like, no, that was that was strictly behind the scenes. So no one would have really known. Uh, people only knew me then for the AP on Crockett short-lived show, which I was a writer-performer on, or guest-starring things. Like, everything I did that was a series died before it went to TV. So I was, like, the queen of canceled, you know, pre-air cancellations uh, for many, many years. Many years. I was like, damn, I can't catch a break. But, yeah, The Nightly Show was the first thing that, that introduced me to most people. Um, and honestly... Now it's the sketch show. Well, I would argue that most people, black people knew who I was because we follow each other's journeys and the community smaller. But I would imagine in the world at large, most people didn't know me until the sketch show. <laughs> and they forget I had my whole ass own late night show, The Rundown. But the Rundown, where I learned, yeah. I, learned, I learned the art of the body roll. Yes! yes! Can you do it? Can you do it? <laughs> not, at, not when I'm sitting yes! on the couch. <laughs> But you know, I, I mean, I, I know you've talked about this before, so I don't want to make you belabor the subject, but both, you know, Larry giving you a chance with the nightly show, Larry giving yeah. Issa a chance with Insecure, and then Absolutely. Issa then reaching her hand back to you yep. to get to HBO. And then me hiring Quinta, and then Quinta going to do her own show. Yeah. It's, and Ashley, and Ashley also working on Ted Lasso. Yep. I can't take credit for that, but I can't but, take credit for any of it. But yeah, it's, but it's a very about, small circle of of upwards influence. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Talk to me a little bit about the importance of that, both as the person getting hand up and then the person putting the hand out. Yeah, I think, you know, getting the hand up is like definitely, it's a game changer. Chris Rock produced my late night show and was so hands-on with getting that off the ground. Larry Wilmore obviously took a chance on me, made me the first black woman head writer in late night television at the White House Correspondence Center. It was like, I believe in you. You are better than your resume. It is a, it is, I had been in the business since 2002 when Larry hired me in 2014. When Dana hired me, when Queen Latifah hired me in 2013, I have been in the business 11 years. When Apion hired me and Jamie Foxx um, on the Apion Crockett show on Fox, it was 2010. I'd been in the business eight years. Like, it wasn't like I just got anywhere. You know, I had been there a very long time, but I had been writing for other comedians. I was writing for Mike Epps, Kevin Hart, Anthony Anderson, Wayne Brady, all these people, right? I wrote viral videos for Funny or Die. I was doing stuff on YouTube. I was just doing everything I could, but nothing was really focused for people. I wasn't good at crafting a career that was focused on one thing because I always wanted to do everything. So some people knew me as a writer. Some people knew me as a producer. Some people knew me in front of the camera as a comedian, as an actor. Um, and so Larry helped me really hone my voice. And then when I went to do my late night show, he said, this show is good, but you're going to find the thing that's really you. And when the late night show got canceled, Issa said, what are we doing together? You're free and you're never free. I said, I have this sketch show. I sold it to somebody else, but I don't like the budget. And I really want to make this really cinematic show. 
And she said, bring it to HBO. And HBO was like, yes, go to series immediately. No pilot, no script, no anything. Hire the people you want. I said, I know my cast. I texted them and they said, yes. <laughs> and we shot it in 25 days. And that was the first season. And it, we wrote it in like, I don't know, not very long. We wrote it really fast, but it was because we were desperate. We were all ready when, when Ashley was in that writer's room, she left Sam B to come do these six episodes, like Brittany Nichols, who's now writing on Abbott elementary and who had written on transparent, like all these great writers who already had either Emmys or Emmy nominations came together. The six of us, that first season of the sketch show, because we had all been lifted up by someone. Right. And so it was just me saying, I'm just providing you the space. You've already done the work. Um, and now I can take chances on more green writers and, you know, lift them up into that system. So, yeah, all of those people from David Allen Greer giving me a job in 20, 2009 when I had $7 to my name uh, to all these people supporting me. Marlon Wayans putting me in a haunted house, a movie I did years and years ago with him and J.B. Smoove saying we got to do something together. And Atheon being like, you're really funny. Like, let's do a sketch show. You know, all those people have helped me. And then I go back and say, all right, great. Now I have an HBO show. Come do a sketch. Let's do this together. Let's write that thing. So it's really important and it's absolutely critical for our success, especially I feel like in the black comedy community, because there just aren't as many chances. There's way more now. But when I started in 2002, UPN was collapsing. CW was absorbing all the black. They, there were all these black shows. But by like 2008, they were gone. Right. So like right when I got in, I was a stand in on all of us for two seasons. And then I don't know, a year or two later, all those shows were gone and all these black showrunners were gone. And, you know, Bernie Mac show was gone. Bernie had passed like stuff just kind of went away until really like Shonda Rhimes and then Blackish came back and then more of us started getting on TV. But there was like a 10 year period, I feel like, where it was just very hard. And it was very hard to get things going. Social media wasn't what it is now. So word of mouth didn't really affect it as much. So anyway, super long story short, Larry Wilmar has always looked out for me and continues to do so. And if there's ever anything I can do beyond putting him in a sketch, I would and I will. <laughs> but it's, it is that thing. He said this industry is not a constant climbing of the mountain. It's a roller coaster. So I always tell people, I tell my interns, my assistants, I say, when you're my boss, remember me, you know, or like when you're hiring people, remember me, I'm not going to be on top forever. Like, you know, and that's not like negative thinking. That's just how the business is, you know? So right now I'm good. And we have 13 Emmy nominations in one win. And that, that's why I don't take a moment of it for granted because I have been helped by so many and I will continue to do so as my friends have done for me. But you have to remember me and Issa were, Issa came to the nightly show to audition and she told this story in essence. She was like, I was a fan of Robin because of the work that she had done. And she was like, I was no one. I had a web series and people knew that, but I didn't have a TV show. And she auditioned and she goes, I was terrible. And I actually fought for Issa to be a correspondent on the nightly show because I really liked her. Oh, wow. And Larry goes, I got something different for her. Little did I know he was uh -huh. fucking co-creating Insecure with her. <laughs> um, and so that's why he was like, no, to that, you know, because he knew he already had a bigger plan for her. Um, and so I now have learned those lessons for him and I am developing shows with my writers and other actors I perform, but because I'm like, okay, I can see the larger plan for you.
So it's critical. It's absolutely critical. I mean, you know, now everything's great. Win or lose, things are going great for you and, and the show. But take me back to when you had those $7 in your pocket. and Oh, my God. And industry was ignoring Black comedians for the most part. Yeah. Was there ever a moment where you said to yourself, maybe I'm just going to keep being an E! News correspondent? <laughs> no, so I did that because that was during the writer's strike. So the writer strike of 2007, 2008, right. I got to, I just used my journalism background. I ran into somebody at a party. She was like, I cast for E! News and what uh, one of the correspondents is going on maternity leave. And we need somebody. You're hilarious. I was like, I actually have a degree in broadcast journalism. You should meet me. I'm amazing. <laughs> and I was like, I can do this. Like, you want somebody who's got a personality on E! News. She was like, yeah, fuck it. Come in and meet. And I did. And I got to be on. I had a desk right next to Jason Kennedy. And he wasn't the anchor. Ryan Seacrest and Juliana Rancic were at that point. And we were like just out there doing red carpets and pieces. And it was so silly. And it was so fun. And that kept food on the table 2007 and 2008. I never was going to do that full time. Every time I was on a red carpet, I was like, I'm on the wrong side of this carpet. <laughs> and so, but that was fine. It paid the bills. And I love my Eden's family. They're so amazing. And they still, to this day, are so amazing. I still talk to all of them. Um, but no, I never thought, I won't make a living doing this. Even when I had those $7, I wasn't like, I'm moving back to Chicago or Iowa or anything. Like there was nothing for me there. And I was like, I'll just have to get better at writing. I remember in 2009, I hadn't really written like scripts. I wasn't really like pushing myself as a writer, even though I was writing for all these other comedians, but I wasn't pushing myself as a writer. So I was like, no, 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 I will be starring in a TV show. And then um, Diallo Riddle told me, we started performing more, him and Bashir, we started performing more once we embraced ourselves as writers and once we took jobs legit as WGA writers. And I was like, all right. And it was true. And like the work started coming, but I credit David Allen Greer for putting me on his show in 2009 and giving me the $700 or whatever it was because it paid my rent and kept me from getting evicted. And then everything kind of picked up from then, but we were in the middle of a recession, you know, and it was, it was bad. Those years were hard. And we're about to enter a period much like it, I'm afraid. So for me, it's about the people who gave me those those alley-oops back then who saw something in me and knew that that I could do this before I even really knew I could as like a creator and writer. So if I'm hearing correctly, E! News was a stopgap, but Chocolate News was a lifeline. That's right! <laughs> That's right. Absolutely. <laughs> so how how will it feel then to be walking on the correct side of the red carpet when you hear all the inane people questions from people like me. No, no. First of all, I'm obsessed with journalists and um, I, I know the job, you know what I mean? Like I got a degree in broadcast journalism at Northwestern and I never was going to use that. I was running a sketch group and knew I was going to second city, but I learned all the skills. And so I respect great. I mean, the fact that you've done this much research is all, I, it warms my little small Grinch heart because it just feels like what I was taught. And it makes it makes me happy to answer questions that are like new, you know, it's not, it's not like, so how'd you come up with the name of Black Lady Sketch Show? And then I'm like, because we're black. But, um, you know, <laughs> or 
like, why do you think SNL and you are the only ones? I'm like, I don't know. I don't make the rules, you know, but I used to be scared of red carpets, but I've embraced them now because I get to get to talk about stuff I love and my cast members that I love and all of these guest stars who come and grace us with their time because we don't pay shit. We don't pay anything. I mean, we pay, but it's the bare minimum. You know, we're a sketch show, right? We're not, we're not Game of Thrones, but um, it is an honor to me that people come and do this show for the love of it and for the experience and they know how fun it is and the joy that they get from doing it. So I think what red carpets mean to me now are the recognition of all that hard work. You know, I didn't just start doing this yesterday and I'm glad that I didn't like make it until I was older because, um, and by older, I mean in my thirties, <laughs> as I was when I got on the nightly show, which is ancient in this business. But yeah, I mean, if this would have all, I couldn't have created this show at 22 as much as I thought I could. So I think it was pretty early on that I had the foresight to know I was going to be in this for the long haul. I always sell my career as a marathon, not a sprint. So I think for me, those red carpets are just kind of the rewards for all of that work, you know, and, and all the work that my whole team does. I certainly don't do this by myself. And um, there are people that that work at such a high standard on the sketch show that it really blows my mind. So yeah, we got to enjoy it. There's so few things to enjoy these days. I think it's disingenuous when people are like, oh, it's not a big deal. It's just an award. Like, we're just happy to be, like, making TV. It's like, yeah, we're happy to be making TV, but, like, the accolades justify all the hard work and the long days and the long nights and the the blood, sweat, and tears that go into everything. Will you have any reactions prepared this time around? No, I didn't have that one prepared. I mean, honestly... <laughs> We knew we were going to lose because when we saw where our table was, we were like, oh, bitch, we lose this. Like, this is bad. Like, we were we were in the camera row. Like, we were like, oh, are they even shooting us? We're so far back. But it was funny because we were with Amber Ruffin uh, and her table. Like, all the black shows were in the back. So we were like, we were like, okay, great. <laughs> we're just going to have a good time. And, like, I was talking to my friends at the SNL table. If, were, were you there? Were you no. at primetime? Okay. So the big joke was my dress was like big and teal and or green or whatever. It was very easy to spot. So during the commercial breaks, I was running from one side of the room to the other, trying to scrounge up guest stars for the next season. <laughs> like I was like, do you want to do the You're show? Do you want to do the show? Nice to meet you. I was totally casting. That is literally 90% of why I go to Emmy. So um, I was doing that. And then they were like, oh shit, your series, we had already lost writing. And Issa was like, ha ha, we lost. And I was like, why are you, you, okay. But, um, and then series was coming up and I go, guys, when we lose to SNL, like right before it happened, I go to my table, when we lose to SNL, everybody looked really pissed. And they were like, absolutely not. <laughs> they were like, no, we're not doing that. Cause I said it like literally as they're opening the envelope. Cause I was like, we're going to lose. Um, and then we lost. And then I did the bit. Issa, Issa did the bit. Issa was like fake calming me down. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the rest of the table, they're just like, Robin is an idiot. Like they're just <laughs> laughing at me. Um, not with me. They are laughing at me. Mm -hmm. um, so it was just something I felt in the moment. But I do feel a little bit of pressure. Like people, I, I had no idea it was even going to be on camera. I knew the camera was there. So I was like, well, if the director decides to cut, let me at least give them something to have. Right. Because I, I used to like write and produce award shows for years. 
So I was right, like, with the BET awards. Yeah, you were. Yes. Like, you know. So I was like, for like 10 years, I wrote on them. So I'm like, I know that they're going to have the cameras here. The director will have a choice to cut to me. He'll only cut if it's interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even care saying that. Like, but I, because I want people to know it wasn't real. Like, I want people to know that I was certainly not angry that SNL won. No, you're it's a professional. SNL. You're a professional. You're a professional, I'm a professional comedian. comedian. <laughs> yeah. uh, I don't think anyone would call me professional, but I'm a professional comedian. So this year, I don't know how to top that. I won't be trying if there's something in the moment that I feel, but hopefully I won't need it because we'll win. As far as the show goes, are there any characters of yours that you feel can't be topped? No, every character can be topped. Of course. Every character can be topped. I always say we're only in competition with ourselves, and that's how I treat it as an actor, too. I mean... I mean, in terms of characters that you feel like you've done such a great job with them that you wouldn't want to risk bringing them back for season four because you're like, I already did such a perfect job with this. No, no, everybody can come back and everyone will come back. No, absolutely not. The work is never done. And you know what? That's the nice thing about creating this Black Lady Cinematic Universe that we all know is now run by Dr. Hadassah and mind controlling these women and creating these characters. And now that these characters can meet, there's unlimited possibilities. So I feel like it's actually like we're kind of restarting because now we can do so many different things. Now that Trinity and Octavia met, we know the doctor, the, the end of the world was not the end of the world, but that the world they live in is not the world we know because the world they live in, these characters actually exist. And now that they've started to meet, it's like, oh, they all exist in the same world. So we can Avengers the shit out of this. <laughs> and eventually they all have to end up in court. Yes! In the black lady courtroom. Yes. Yeah. So, with, Yvette, um, with Yvette presiding. Absolutely. Judge Harper. Um, but yeah, so I think in some ways I can't say that there are any characters that can't be topped because the universe has opened up for them in such a way that we get to see them in different environments now, right? So no, I just feel like because we write so narratively and we write characters who have full backstories and full lives, the possibilities are endless. I think if you have a character who's just like one catchphrase over and over, it's really hard because, you know, where do you go with that? But even the like, what up, I'm three, you know, girl slash woman, Annie, um, has more story to tell. (laughs) <laughs> well, if there's more story to tell and the universe is opened up, I'm going to need you to come to Comic-Con and <laughs> unveil I phase two, it. phase three, and phase four of the Black oh, Lady oh, Sketch Show universe. listen. Honestly, I, w- when I was watching all the Comic-Con stuff this year. I was so... I, was, I never had FOMO. I had it so bad. Like, I was like, we should be there. I want to be there. We have so many... Like, because I know what's going to happen in season four and beyond. And I'm like, oh, they have no idea. Like, I don't know. Yes, I agree. I would love to do that next well, year. Fortunately, the influential people are listening both on this call and on the Good. podcast. So <laughs> Good. I'm so excited. <laughs> Thank you so much for, for, for hopping on Zoom with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. This was honestly delightful. Oh, really nice. This episode of the Comics Comic Presents Last Things First was post-produced by Alex Brazell at Showbiz Studios. The music was by Camille Harris and Shockwave, logo by Giggle Chick. 
you enjoyed listening, please check out my Substack called Piffany at piffany.substack.com for transcripts, bonus commentary, and expert analysis about comedy, show business, and more. I'm your host, Sean O. McCarthy. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.